1: We talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day.
2: Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs)
3: <laughs> hello and welcome to the mary rose you can hear clive cackling in the background it's quite quiet in the pub tonight uh we've got bonnie with us you right, bonnie
4: evening how you doing
3: not hanging around for long are you you're having a tie with the missus tonight
4: yeah i'm just working that out at the mor- at the moment and um remembering that most of the things that i like i'm not allowed to order so we'll see how that goes
3: yeah. who's actually making the phone call
4: it's me because she's 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 upstairs chatting to her friend so as soon as we do ah, this it, i'm on the phone. what you want? Uh, but I'm, 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 I'm a sucker for a quiet
3: life. <laughs> <laughs> good job she doesn't listen to this podcast, isn't it? Oh, you've already heard Clive. Clive, how are you?
5: I'm actually in really rather good form. I've had lots of good news this week. It's been one of those really strange weeks where everything seems to be going well.
1: Oh, do which means tell. that
5: next week's going to be absolutely shit. Oh. Well, firstly, <laughs> I've, got an, I've got an appointment for my jab on Sunday. Hurrah! I got sure. a, a, oh, wait, wait, sorry. Jab in, Surely in, in you're May. not old enough, Clive. Oh, I am. I'm fu- I was getting really pissed off because so many people, many years younger than me, much, much thinner than me, were getting jabs <laughs> and I wasn't. But I managed to get a jab. And I've got my second jab coming up in May, which means I'll be immune in June, which Brilliant. is poetry in itself. So I'm excited by that. I also had a well-manned medical examination on Monday, went back for my results today, and I'm and really fine fettle. I'm still alive. And the doctor <laughs> was so impressed by me, she even prescribed me these special little injections I can give to myself to um, basically get rid of my appetite so I'll get thin. So in eight weeks' time, when I finish jabbing myself once a week, I'm <laughs> gonna be a, I won't be a fat bastard anymore. I'll just be a bastard. And you immune? For some of those jabs?
3: You'll be an immune bastard.
5: An immune, skinny bastard. It's going to be great.
3: Outstanding. So,
5: and, you know, various things at work and other things have gone really well this week. And I'm feeling a little bit euphoric and happy knowing that shit's coming round the corner.
3: it's <laughs> yeah, usually the way, isn't it? Uh, Merrin is doing an impression of Princess Leia up in Norfolk, or she was. She's taken her head down now. You managed to burn a curry tonight. Who yeah, I managed to
2: burn a curry, curry tonight, but um, that, wasn't, that wasn't the low point of my week. The low point of my week was being spoofed. Yeah, she,
3: how many emails yeah. are in your inbox now?
2: Seventy-two thousand. Oh no, no, no! That was yesterday, yeah. That was yesterday. We're over a hundred thousand now. It's it's just ridiculous. What they do is they take your email and and they they, they haven't actually got into it. They're mm. just using my ID to send emails out to other people, and other people who've got their system set up properly send back like postmaster mailer demon things going no thank you and all those lovely polite little no thank yous drop into my inbox at the pace of about 15 a second first thing (laughs) it's kept me busy it means i've lost some important stuff but you know what's an email here or there
3: brilliant and i do you know there is a recurring theme with you burning things and that's that you start cooking them and then wander off and get sidetracked
2: oh yeah how it
3: ends isn't it yeah Sidetracked by some World War II book and, Usually, yeah, and then, yeah. then starts to smell burning and things. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not good. Uh, James has cooked himself dinner with five types of carb because he couldn't decide what to have.
6: <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, it's better to cook more and have more for tomorrow than uh, forget to cook, so or burn anything, so. This is true. yeah.
3: Feel like you're gonna be eating turkey for about a month.
6: <laughs> no, no. If I don't, my brother will eat it or my mum or dad, so
3: <laughs> Brilliant. We've got Kate with us. Who, she's also euphoric as well, because Kate has a new job.
7: Woo-hoo! I do, yeah, I'm very excited. It's <laughs> right <laughs> next week. Um, so yeah, very excited about that. I've been drinking since one thirty. So um, oh,
3: it could never be super. bad. <laughs> uh, we all know how much Kate loves to talk when she's been drinking so this will be good because there's only a few of us tonight so her pitch may last a while this is fine
7: yeah uh, I have got quite a long one today
3: <laughs> brilliant uh we've also got Beth uh who's not having a euphoric week um this week but nonetheless uh is over competitive and determined she's got the right year
8: oh absolutely just because it's not been a great week I mean it got better it's got better definitely oh. Uh, not at work in the morning. That's a bonus. Um, but I definitely, I am going, I am going to win. Bit of a, a bit of like self-determination. I will win. I will. (laughs) Oh, hopefully
3: Princess will drop in in a little while. We've also got the mighty Scott Gallagher with us tonight, who basically is 24 hours early for another pub call because I sent him the the wrong link, but he's got a glass of wine, so you might as well hang out. Hey, Scott.
0: I do indeed have a glass of wine. Thank you. And thanks for the unintentional invitation.
3: Oh, brilliant. Uh, Scott, well, uh,
0: one it's always good, having, always good having a chat down the pub.
3: Absolutely. Um, um,
0: and uh, just to make you all feel really bad, I had my injection three weeks ago.
5: <laughs> Clive, it's you're
0: so young. Downer. I know, can't help it. No, I'm an NHS volunteer, so I qualified early.
3: Hang on, I'm an NHS volunteer and they haven't given me shit.
0: Well, yeah, you live in the wrong country, man.
3: Damn it! Like you are you are ruled over by Jimmy Cranky, though. So I think I've well, you. maybe not for much longer. After oh, yeah. today, no, uh, so I hear that apparently she may end up resigning. I know all I know because I try and avoid her as much as possible is that people were not happy that her roadmap announcement was not a roadmap, but just a. This is why I'm not giving you a roadmap announcement. Is that what it is? Uh,
0: well, basically, she she went about three about three weeks out the you know down the line. Uh, where Boris did us uh, sort of all the way to June, July, whatever it was. And, uh, so people have said, well, why, why couldn't you do that? And she, she's, her reason was caution, but everybody's going, yes, but we need hope, not just caution. Um, but I think that if, if she does resign, it won't be because of that. It'll be because of the evidence that Alex Salmon gave at the, uh, uh, committee investigating his court. Um, appearance. I have to be careful here. I'm also not qualified really to say, but uh, I'm i laughing
3: lost... at Merin's hand actions because she uh, is qualified yeah. and uh, she's doing noose and hangman impressions. Right, I see,
0: I see, I see that. I see. Yeah. <laughs> well, Alex threw her under the bus at least eight times during the five or six hours of evidence that he gave her So, um, she That'd appears. Her face. Yeah, she appears on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. I think it is. So we could see. So I don't know. But then denial gets you everything. You just keep denying and nothing happens.
2: It'll be like the crankies on acid on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm yeah, disappointed
2: be. with a roadmap,
3: Scott, because I'm supposed to be driving a lap of Scotland in mid-May to early June. Um, and I was going to be staying just... And I even worked in a night staying just up the road from you so that we could hang out. I haven't even told you yet. Um, but so I could see Esmond's statue and hang out with you. But it's yes. now going to come down to the wire because of Jimmy Cranky. So, right. okay. Tonight.
0: Well, yes. Well, everything will come down to the wire. Nobody knows what's going to happen, do we?
3: Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. At least you've been jabbed. Clive loves being jabbed. Next, definitely been jabbed. Yeah. Brilliant.
0: Second jab, first week of
3: April. Ooh, you really are flying up there, right? Okay. We have been challenged by our listen a listener um, mm-hmm. to find the worst year in history. She wants to know if we can do better than 2020 slash 2021, because this isn't great either. So everybody's been away and pondered and uh, uh we've got quite a few nominations. I haven't even introduced Lockie yet. I've got a message in the chat from Beth saying, Oi, it's because Lockie's judging tonight. You are right, Judge Lockie?
1: Yeah, ma'am. We're judging
3: together, aren't got we? Got my wig.
1: Got my wig on. Yeah. Um, and your Bermuda yeah.
3: shorts, which is a, a hot look.
1: Yeah, uh, they're, they're kind of like, almost like a khaki green sort of colour. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's always short. Shorts of flip-flops. Now the sun's out. Summer, isn't it?
3: <laughs> For a rugby player, yeah. You're, like, you're basically like Geordies. As soon as it hits seven degrees, or Glaswegians, it hits seven degrees and you all start walking around with your top off.
1: Yeah. I, I've been out in the garden a bit today, actually. Um, the, the most unreal noises have been coming from my pond, um, really? because basically my... The frogs that live in my little pond in my garden have been at it like <laughs> other things that hop, but yeah, no, um...
3: have you know um've been watching frog
1: porn. <laughs> <laughs> no it it's it's been a croaking den of frog filth and, and it's, it's the whole thing's practically full of frog sport uh um, now but
3: such is life that we've all run out of things to watch on netflix so this was
1: entertaining <laughs> it it. Uh,
3: much more relaxed tonight after we gave our salonica talk last night and bullshitting our way through about two hours of a front we don't really know that much about it was really fun.
1: really don't i was it's hoping fun. not to Get any, yeah, no, it was. And, and, that was the and principle,
3: wasn't it? Was let's all learn together, because it's something <laughs> none kind of us really pay much attention to. Yeah,
1: exactly. And H- now it's H- an H-
3: excuse H- to go on holiday to Greece. Too right. Damn, damn straight. Right, so we'll judge, Uh because Holmes isn't here. I'm just doing, probably watching Star Wars or something else. Rearranging his stormtroopers. Uh, I'm going to go to Matt first. Matt,
4: Hello.
0: what
3: was the worst year in history
4: well i think everybody here's got some some crackers but let's face it to truly understand how terrible a year could be i think you have to live it so there we go i've just thrown everybody under the bus for the rest of this and um uh, there we go the tie has just been confirmed on the phone so we're good to go okay i'm gonna go for 1994 now i think everyone's gonna go well what was bad about 1994?
3: Well, I'm trying to think of what was bad for 1994 for Canadians. And I'm still drawing a blank.
4: Okay. So the year doesn't start well with the Lilyhammer games when Canada is beaten in the gold medal hockey game by Sweden three to two. But then personally, as a, as a 15 year old, you have a lot of things when you're a teenager, (laughs) what you build up in your head that give the world sort of meaning and heroes. To a young lad like myself, Armenian, growing up, my hero was a man called Ayrton Senna, possibly one of the greatest Formula One drivers of all time. Um, and he just moved to my favourite team. I'd been in the pits for Williams at Donington in '93, Silverstone '94. My uncle's company sponsored the team. It was going to be a great year. It didn't start well, but it was Senna. He'll he'll get it back until we get to the first of May. Now. Personally, my the family had been going through some rough times. My mum had returned home to Canada to work tax season to get us some money. So on the first of May, after ten weeks away, my mum comes home, and then the first European Grand Prix of the season takes place at San Marino. Now this is a bit weird because the day before, Roland Ratzenberger had been killed in a terrible crash when the front wing of his Simtek had come off and wedged under the car. And again, growing up watching formula one, nobody died until then. And then the next day with, you know, the, the happiness of having my mum home, we watched an incredible crash on the first lap. And then on just after the restart on lap seven, I think it was, I watched my hero die live on television. Now, why does this make it the worst year in the world? Well, it's, this is quite personal. I have something else that will come up to add to this in a minute, because as you're growing up, your heroes are either people that have already passed away in my case, fighter pilots and old racing drivers and things like that. And you know, my, my parents and things, but when you have someone who is truly transcending sport, literally die in front of you on a Sunday afternoon on BBC two, it completely changes the way you look at the world. And for, for me, I can literally pinpoint when that was. Cause so I can remember going to a friend's house that afternoon. My friend had a party and I was just sitting there waiting for the news to come through. This is pre smartphone days. So we actually had the, the telly quietly on in the corner until the breaking news came up that Ayrton Senna was dead. I remember going to school the next day and I was like the only Senna fan in school. Cause this is Mansell time. You don't, and Damon Hill, you don't support the Brazilian. He was the baddie. And I can remember people I didn't even know coming up and saying, yo, are you okay? And my worldview changed. And you know, we it had been a pretty cool year. I'd been to Egypt in that summer, but after May 1st, the world became this really dark place. And then something happened, which is why I think this is truly the worst year in the world, because in the middle of Africa, there was a plane crash, and out of the back of that became came a something that I never thought i 'd lived through in my lifetime, which was a genocide of an, of a people and in Rwanda were numbers we don 't really know how many i just had to google it they say between two hundred thousand and eight hundred thousand people died. In the Rwandan massacre. And the thing I remember is this happened on TV. We watched it. Mm. And we did nothing. And I could can have remember-
3: been worse, man. We could have been the French. We could have been giving them the guns. Yep. Someone who went to Rwanda last year, fuck me, man. They're still so angry. Mm. And yeah. These guys called Pierre and John Paul who won't speak French. They've changed all their road signs to English and everything. It just. Just beggars
4: belief. It, it, it's insane, and you know the, there was a peacekeeping force there who were given. You know, Romeo Dallaire was the, the Canadian commander who was given specific orders not to intervene, and he lost men and he watched people die. And his famous line is, "You know, I know the devil exists because I shook his hand in Rwanda." And you know, for for me, this is you know we we spend a lot of our time, um, you know, as as historians and people that spend time looking at the past, looking at terrible, terrible things. But this happened in our lifetime. It happened live on telly, and I, I remember uh, there's a, there's a great documentary um, called The Last Laugh about whether or not you can make jokes about the Holocaust. It's like got Mel Brooks in it. But the the survivor in it is a lady called Rennie Firestone, and she is amazing. And in it, she makes the line that it took a decade to kill six million in Germany it took four months to kill nearly a million now. She goes, if that's progress, why are we doing what we do?
1: Uh-huh.
4: And I, and I think that's why for me, you know, the joking bit aside about, about, so I'm not really joking, but this, this idea that just, you know, what is it? 20, 25 years ago, uh-huh. something like this could happen in our modern world our connected world where, you know, 1994, that was post history. You know, we, we were supposed to be in a new golden time. And yet we as a world let people not die in, in a mechanized way in Mm. gas chambers and things, but being hacked to death with big knives.
3: Don't. So there's a room. So I, I went to Rwanda in 2019 and I went to do the gorilla trekking, which is the prize thing that Rwanda has to offer. And Rwanda has done, and don't believe what you see in like the WWF adverts about how mountain gorillas were all but died out. They're actually their population. The Rwandans and the Ugandans have done amazing things, um, bringing the population back since the days of Diane Fossey. And this is their big sell. So we went to do that and we were flying home from Kigali and, and um, we said, we really should go and see the genocide memorial because I don't think you should come to Rwanda and not spend a couple of hours with the thinking of those people and there's there's like it's it's not a huge museum but there's a video um and there's where all the remains are but there's rooms that you walk in and out of that just have photos of people and tell you individual stories and there's a children's room and you go in there and there is a, she must be two and a half, three years old. And I didn't take any photos of this. Um, but there, there's a toddler's picture on the wall. And under cause of death, you're right, it wasn't mechanised. It says, repeatedly slammed against a wall until she died. And this is 1994. So I really like what you've done there in terms of the idea that, to actually understand something that catastrophic, we should be looking at years that we actually lived through. I was, I was not. I'm younger than you. Um, oh, sorry. Kate says, "Fuck off." I feel so old now. I was going out drinking in 1994, albeit underage, but still. Um, I do remember Senna. Uh, I do remember. I remember it because I was watching it in the living room on Eurosport, and we didn't know that my brother, who was six at the time, was watching it in the bedroom on on BBC, because they shared it at the time, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. And um, I watched it with my mum, and we both got really upset. And then, you're right, I mean, he literally, he died on TV. But then to go into my room, and my brother, who had absolutely no concept of mortality, or anything, to find him sitting in front of the telly just sobbing, because he'd seen a man die. I mean, it was grim. And you're right, it came like 24 hours after Ratzenberger as yeah. well. It was it, that bend. It was the same bend, wasn't
4: it? Uh, no, different, different okay. ones. So Ratsenberger was sort of coming down the hill to that last bend before you come up. But the thing was Ratzenberger wasn't on telly. They didn't have cameras on him because it was Roland Ratzenberger. and no. I the mean, there were pretty,
3: pretty graphic photos the next day in the papers, but no, Senna. I mean, I think they withdrew the camera when they took his helmet off. Yeah. So but other than that, they covered the lot, didn't they?
4: Um, yeah, they, it was, it was all, it was all there. It was, it was all live. Um, and you know, Sid, Sid Watkins in, in his book said there was as, as they removed his helmet, he, he just breathed out. Mm. And it's weird because that's kind of the moment they take the cameras off of him when they yeah. realize something's going on. Cause you can actually see in the footage, Sid stopping working for a second. And I think that's when the director went, Oh, this isn't good. Uh, but the fact that they left the cameras on him slumped in the car for as long as he did, which is why now, you know, the, you know, with, um, you know, Grosjean's crash, yeah. they, they, they didn't, they cut They cut from it. As soon as there's the fireball, you didn't really see it again. I remember being really
3: messed up when Hakkinen had his crash because I adored him. He was my mm. favourite driver. Um, and because obviously we'd seen what happened to Senna and seen that happen live. And then it sort of, I, it was Australia Hakenen, so I wasn't watching. Cause it the it was the
4: same year, wasn't it? Yeah.
3: No, it's, it's, a, it's 96 or 97. Oh, right. I yeah. But I, I mean, I just remember and I didn't actually, I don't think properly calm down until he sent out... um thank you cards to people who sent him I just addressed a card to Mick Hacken Hospital Adelaide and somehow it got there but he sent out thank you cards and it wasn't until one came back and that was a sort of oh this guy's alive and he's sending cards out I mean obviously he wasn't sending them out himself but you know what I mean that it was actually like the the thought of another one dying um, was gone. Lockie what do you make of the idea that you have to have lived through it?
1: Not sold mm-hmm. um, but but. It, but in terms of sort of bringing something home to you, yeah, you, you can't you can't beat it. I remember Senna as well. I remember I remember just you know the car just going straight on. It, it seemed.
3: Yeah, it it, just like, didn't turn at all, did he?
1: No, um, they, they they reckon it had bottomed out,
4: so he's probably turning the steering wheel and nothing was happening because he's. But it just tired, was so
3: unlike him to not even turn. Hmm. And yeah.
4: the
0: suspension collapsed, and that was why it crashed because think, a piece of the suspension went through his head, didn't it? Yeah. Pierce, Pierce. That's
4: yeah. It, it's, it's, it's weird because they still really don't know what was wrong. Cause the, the, um, cause they'd taken all the, the fancy trick suspension off the car. They never knew that that car had an aerodynamic problem that it used to porpoise because the suspension was sorted out. And as soon as they put it on springs, you know, even Adrian Newey, the genius that he was couldn't figure out what it was. And it took them half a season to figure it out, but it, it was too late. But you know, to, to, to have that happen and then turn turn the news on and the news story goes, Ayrton Senna dying, meanwhile in Africa.
3: Yeah. I don't remember live coverage of the genocide. I probably wasn't allowed to watch it. But yeah, that was, I think the whole thing was sad and the whole experience was sad. But just that one little girl's cause of death, the fact that actually a man picked her up and just slammed her into a wall till she died. She was two and a half. I mean, what, where the fuck are you in your head that you've come to that? But yeah. Um, it's quite, it's quite a stinky year for that. Yeah. Cool. Any more questions, Lockie?
1: Not, not questions so much. I mean, I there there was other stuff going on as well because I remember I remember the Rwandan genocide, but I remember trouble in in the former Yugoslavia around then as well. And and thinking, you know, it's not just awful things happening a long, long way away. Actually, that's Europe. That's like (laughs) that's, that's pretty close. Um. So yeah, no, that's that's pretty depressing shit, Matt. Good
5: work
4: yeah it's 94 because you've also got andres escobar as well the 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 colombian footballer that was killed because he scored the own goal yeah.
5: i know that's not a huge thing
4: but this is just all stuff that should never really that you would successful. hope
3: humanity i think okay. we're going to hear a lot of this kind of stuff from further back mm-hmm. in history but your argument is we should have grown out of it by 1994
4: well you know this i think i think i did i should have really led on is 94 was it you know that that, that early 90s it was supposed to be post history you know i I remember people saying that you know the cold war is over we are now in this new golden age um and then we started doing all the same things we'd always done in
5: 1994 the channel tunnel opened um nelson mandela became president of south africa help fiction was released but then again four weddings and a Mm -hmm. funeral came out so you're probably right it was shit
3: And you had two two
5: kids by then, you
4: were saying. Yeah, so I think I've got, I think I've got, I've got Clive worried now because he's trying to remind us that there was good stuff in nineteen ninety four (laughs) as (laughs) well.
1: Well, James has pointed out that he was born, so I don't know if that strengthens your case or not. I uh, think that means I
4: think that means I just won. (laughs) I
1: think think it means
5: James. James (laughs) James just disclosed that he's younger than both of my daughters, and that just is wrong. Oh, sorry, Clive.
7: Um, James, James being born in 1994 was what prompted my fuck off comment. <laughs> well,
3: I think as well though the the Senna thing because it was Senna, the safety changes that it heralded really were progress, weren't they? I mean, I know Hackenham was, uh, but that was that was not. Because of anything that wasn't in place, it was incredibly unfortunate, and in that. But with, there were there were real shortfalls in safety that led to Ratzenberger and Senna, and they really did fucking overhaul Formula One after those deaths, didn't they?
4: Yeah, and you know it's the, the the genius for all for all of you can complain about the likes of Max Mosley and, and and Bernie, they just turned to Dr. Sid Watkins and went fix it yeah yeah you you know don't worry about anything you just fix this this never happens again and you know to to a degree it hasn't you know and and, a and since, is that right
3: yeah
4: you know, there's 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 been the odd ones but at, at the top of the sport you know you know for for all the you know that's you know Antoine quite was mentioned quite rightly um you know it's it hasn't it hasn't ever happened again live on television like that to, to a mass audience. Yeah. But um, it's, um, it's, I, I've actually just Googled 1994 and yeah, mm. that, that was, I, I completely forgotten. That was the year of OJ. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Driving, driving round slowly.
5: Um, not of the trial, but the trial was the year afterwards. No, yeah.
3: but that means that that's the catalyst that brings the fucking Kardashians onto our TVs.
5: Yes. There you and go. OJ that's another reason. Killed his
3: wife and got away with it and, had Kardashian never represented him, then we wouldn't be sitting through this shit now, would we? Mm
5: -hmm. It was also the year that Netscape was launched. What was? Netscape. Yeah. Yeah, You know, the big, the primary browser that we all used.
4: Well, it's it's Firefox now. (laughs) Yeah. The the source code for, for Firefox is the old Netscape code. There you you go. We're really lowering the tone now. We're getting... We really are. Matt,
3: hurry off and eat your tie before you... Thanks everybody. Yeah. Um, right.
4: Oh, yeah. Matt, you could add to the the the, the racing
0: stuff. I just uh, a quick look, but uh, if you go back to 1966, which I can remember, and I'm sure you can't, uh, I'm not even sure Clive can, can he? Uh, I, can, I can, of course. Uh, of course. Uh, J- uh, there was Jackie Stewart's big crash in '66, where he was losing a friend every three months, mm. uh, or or thereabouts, that, that... Um, uh, in a crash that that began probably the lead into the modern era of safety um the same thing was was an, another quantum leap because of the
3: shock it caused yeah uh, we are actually having an episode on sterling moss soon aren't we with richard we, are,
4: right. we we've got richard williams coming to talk about his his new book about uh, about sterling which will be cuz it was after that crash that um jackie used to drive with a spanner gaffer tape to his steering wheel so that he could That's right. unbolt. And he got it. trapped he got trapped in his car
0: Mm. if it could if it could get the steering wheel off and now of course all the steering wheels just have latches so you get them off okay. Okay.
3: thanks, right guys. Have, have a great night much. Okay let's go to, let's go and see what James has got to offer. James where did you go in history in the end? I haven't really been paying attention to where people have been dropping in and- I,
6: When I was thinking about it I was thinking about a year that caused among the most suffering and also a year that sometimes he's looks back at in hindsight as a great year um, so I actually went with 1944 for quite a variety of reasons. Okay. Um, obviously, World War II and Europe, it's well known for D-Day, which was a positive, but that also caused a lot of suffering in many ways.
3: Uh, was no- just put in the chat, Band of Brothers, James. If you call out Band of Brothers again, dude,
6: that's No, a- I that's am not calling you. out Band of Brothers in <laughs> any way as such. You mentioned um,
3: Band of Brothers, you go on mute. Some
6: warning, some <laughs> but, um, 1944, well nineteen forty-four actually well, we're gonna start with Sicily and Italy campaign. Um obviously it was very like World War One in Italy, but also we had the aftermath of the Sicily campaign in where the Allies basically helped set up the mafia again, the mafia's rise in Sicily and Italy. And that obviously happened in 1994, really strengthened. And it still has repercussions to today. And also the Sicilians especially were dealing with the fallout of a lot of the villages destroyed, the food supplies uh, supplies destroyed from the Allies. I think it was metal rather than men uh, style, if I remember correctly. And that did cause a lot of suffering and strife in that regard. Then, obviously, France, uh, it was the same pressure. You had a lot of villages destroyed, and while people were happy with liberation, this did cause a lot of issues as well and suffering, which had to an extent. You then have Market Garden's failure to get over the Rhine, which caused delays in the end of the war and with Battle of the Bulge. Um, some might argue in hindsight that if... Market Garden had succeeded or Patton had pushed over the Rhine. The war would have ended a lot sooner and the suffering of many in France, Netherlands, Belgium, Germany, and other countries would have been shortened, especially as the winter of 1944 was probably one of the worst on record and the food shortages, the starvation. So many died because of the delay caused by the loss of those campaigns in Europe and the suffering of many, and on the Eastern Front as well, the scorched earth tactics from both sides, the suffering to civilians, the suffering faced by many countries in the East post-World War Two because of Soviet control. You have the failure of the Warsaw Uprising, mainly down to the Soviets, and the many people that died there, and the suffering of the whole country of Poland after that. Then when you get to places like Norway was suffering from the food shortages, Finland was under attack by the Soviets and the civilians were especially suffering and Norway's conscripts were suffering in Finland as well. Then when we get to the east, it's rather unique in many ways because um, you have things like the Battle of Pelelu which was a horrific campaign with loss of life. You then, although MacArthur's Landings in the Philippines was a positive in many regards because he said he would be back. It was a deliberate propaganda move by the US military because they knew about all the Japanese prisoner of war camps in Mindando in other areas of the Philippines, which contained many US prisoners as well as British prisoners. They knew about them, but because of the propaganda of MacArthur returning, they landed in Manila instead, and many of these camps for months afterwards had many more dying in them in that regard. You then had things like the, uh, the fire bombings in Japan, which caused a massive loss of life there. The, going back to Europe, you also had the, the vengeance weapons, the V1 and the V2, causing a lot of fear in the UK. While the battle of the Atlantic was being won, it was an up and down struggle and supplies and rationing was definitely taking their toll alongside war weariness. I mean, in, ma- in many hindsights, the impacts of 1944, um, definitely had the impacts on 1945 and beyond, especially the recovery of Europe and the rest of the world. There was just many political, um, social economic aspects as well. Overall, 1944 was remembered for positive reasons. There was a- so much suffering in that year. It has to be talked about.
3: Is that you done?
6: Yeah, it's dummy done. He <laughs> done.
3: Right. That's because it sounded like you might be about to add some more after that. Um, I, my gut says that 1944 isn't even the worst year of the second world war, let alone the worst year in history. That's a, a long list of very terrible things, but, um, Clive has put in the chat. Leningrad relieved, Paris freed, Rome liberated. And unfortunately for James, there is a World War II expert in the house. Merrin.
2: Not expert, <laughs> yeah. not
3: expert. But... <laughs> She's like, Don't you dare call me a fucking expert? Okay, no, no, right. no, no. <laughs> fine. Right. Uh as a World War
2: Two bod. Bod. Um, I I would say there was a that we were beyond the cusp and although it had been pretty shit up to then, I mean you've got thousands of thousands of Germans committing suicide by the end of um, 44, because trying to trying to put a country back together was almost impossible. They didn't see how it was going to work. They could see what was happening in Russia and all that. Mm-hmm. But, but I think actually there might have been quite a bit going well by the end of 1944 um, or better than, than perhaps people give, give credit for. Um, the end was planned. The end was strategically in sight.
3: And it's it's a good example of how we shouldn't look at 1944 as being all glorious because of D-Day, um, but for the purposes of the worst year in history, Lockie, what do you think?
1: I'm kind of with you. I think there's enough to, to, that we can point at as being good uh, in that year. I mean, it's coming to an end, as, as you say, and um, I think with the Battle of the Bulge, which you um, mentioned, that's the final nail really in, in germany as, as as far as i can see i'm I'm not a, a world war ii expert at all but you know we're, we're, we're all
3: just passing the buck
1: here scott <laughs> what about you are you a world
0: war ii expert uh no not, no not at all i'm not even i'm not even really a history expert in many ways but yeah uh, yeah i think 44 people see the beginning of the end um lots of things that you've just mentioned that uh that happened but yeah I wouldn't like to be in Germany in
3: late 44. Yeah I'm not for one minute saying I want to live through 1944 Um I don't, I think it's gonna be beaten tonight Lachie.
1: That's my feeling yeah I mean you've got some pretty bad stuff here I mean with the fire bombings in Japan I'd have to say that 45 was worse because you have atomic bombs you know you mentioned Battle of the Atlantic my understanding of that was it was largely sort of done and dusted by May of 1943 in the sense that uh, it, the U-boats were not working anymore by that stage, not having the same kill rates. And also they were very detectable. And, and actually, British and Americans kind of had that element sorted. And that, you know, it's, it's as we keep saying, it's, it's coming to an end. Uh, it's not pleasant at all, but it's it, it, there's, there's light.
3: Yeah. yeah. Good argument made. I just I just think it's going to be beaten um so thank you very much
6: you're welcome
3: Uh, (laughs) i I went left field
6: i was i wanted to choose something tough and uh, it just kept coming up It kept cropping up in my research and i thought you know what go for it see how people react
3: yep fair enough uh right okay let's do one more and then we will pause to refill our glasses because mine's empty and that's just wrong uh who should we go to next i'm aware that kate deserves a turn going near the end for once because yeah, the, we all say she ends up going in the beginning every week and then everyone forgets <laughs> by the time it gets around to the judging uh let's go to beth just because she's just put chocolate in her mouth <laughs> oh was actually my dinner <laughs> so, so um, what's hilarious about this is beth was the first one to find out that we had had this request and uh Shared it with the group only after she'd already picked her year. So, uh, <laughs> not, not that she's over sure. competitive and a sociopath when it comes to this at all.
8: No comment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it can be no doubt that in anyone's mind that of all of the years that we're going to hear, they are going to be some pretty rough years. Obviously we've just, we've had Matt's with his 1994, which really put me into a really dark mood. Um, but I, I'm going to argue that the, as there is only one worst year in history, that that one's going to be the year I'm doing, which is the year that I've picked, which is 1918, um, a year of unprecedented upheavals and changes that resulted in the deaths of millions of people, worldwide destruction, and an influence that is still being felt to this day. I just want to classify. I'm classifying 1918 the year a year of death. Um, I didn't truly realise it until I was bringing together the research. First off, with two little environmental incidents that I came across in 1918, the last uh, breed of a, a bird, the last Carolina parakeet, which was the last breed of parrot native to eastern United States, dies in captivity. So that does it, that one's completely gone. A Carolina parakeet, I believe. And then around a thousand pilot whales get stranded and then die in the Chatham Islands, which is obviously, it's really, you know, to show the destruction that's already happening outside of what's going on in the human world, as it were. It's not just a human world, it's a its a natural world as well. I'll leave my obvious choices for a little later on. So I'll just go through some of the lists of absolutely awful things that I saw and have read about whilst researching this. The first thing that starts off, we have a massacre that happens in the United States called Por- Por- Porvenir, which is when a group of Texas Rangers, U.S. cavalry soldiers and local ranchers march into a Mexican village and kill 15 unarmed Mexican villagers, men and boys ranging from age of teenage age all the way up to old men. The British Empire was also doing what it did best and was inflicting its rough justice on tribes in, in well, Balochistan, which is now in Pakistan, their operations against the Mari tribes and the Ketaran tribes. Um, they had rebelled, thinking that it was a good time. You know, the British army um, was still requesting for men. Potentially, we're looking at a situation where what happens if they run out of men? What are they going to do? And they thought this might be their chance to gain some sort of independence, some sort of freedom. And that was brutally quashed as well. We've got the March days where our good old friend the Bolsheviks and the Armenian Revolutionary Federation's forces suppress a a revolt of the Muslim population of Azerbaijan, which resulted in up to about 30,000 deaths of people across Azerbaijan. There is a big train crash in the United States, the great train wreck of 1918 in Nashville, Tennessee, where two trains collided, killing over 100 people. There's also um, massive fires and earthquakes across the Americas and more train accidents as well in the New York underground, which killed, again, another 100 people. And to top all of that off, there was a pogrom as well in... Oh, Alina's going to hate me for this. In Lvov, um, where the Polish...
3: She's not here.
8: (laughs) Polish troops, volunteers and freed criminals massacre at least 320 Ukrainian Christians and Jews And that is all, that's not even really touching on why I've probably picked 1918, the following two reasons, which are the First World War and the Spanish flu pandemic. Now, yes, 1918 may be the war, the year that the war ended, the fighting ended, obviously, you know, treaty of Versailles and all that. Um, But it's just as costly a year as the rest. Most obviously, we've got the German spring offensives and the four phases of that, um, which lasted from the end, from the end of March to July, um, causing almost 700,000 German casualties, over 850,000 casualties to the Allies, including 20,000 casualties in the first day of the offensive of March 21st, 1918. We've also got various naval incidents that, that happen as well. We've got the HMS Calgarian, which is sunk By a U-boat off the coast of Northern Ireland, killing 50 people. The SS Tuscania, which was carrying transporting American troops to Ireland with a loss of 210 lives, again, a U-boat. An Australian hospital ship, the Warilla, was torpedoed and sunk in the English Channel, killing over 120 people on their way back to Southampton. The Uh, British battleship HMS Britannia was sunk by a German submarine off the coast of Trafalgar, of Battle of Trafalgar, and again, a loss of around 50 lives. We've also got the explosion at a factory called the T.A. Gillespie Shell Loading Plant in New Jersey, which kills more than 100 people and destroys enough ammunition that it would have supplied the Western Front constantly for six months. American perspective anyway and of course on top of all of that you've got the really key incident of the assassination of the Romanovs of Tsar Nicholas his wife Alexandra their children Olga Tatiana Maria Anastasia and Alexei and some staff who accompany them and they are shot in truly horrific circumstances if you read the stories you know they're It's it's an awful tale to read, to think of being in that situation, shot in that basement with your loved ones and watching them suffer, particularly for the two daughters who were killed later. Um, It's just a horrific tale to read. And then, of course, you have got as well the Hundred Days Offensive from August 1918, which ultimately brings us towards the end of the First World War. But that causes over a million Allied casualties and another million casualties for the Germans. But probably the biggest thing you'd be going for is 1918 being the worst year in history is the start of the Spanish flu pandemic. And while it did carry on until 1920, the most lethal part of this pandemic was in the autumn and winter of 1918. And a large proportion of deaths were packed into three especially cruel months It's believed that these particular months, uh, September, October, and November of 1918, it was believed that there was a, this second wave was caused by a mutated virus. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Um, So when the Spanish flu first appeared, you know, it had the hallmarks of a flu type, you know, headaches, coughs, fevers, and and that kind of thing. And when it was first noticed in in Camp Funston in Kansas, It spread really, really quickly, and within a month of it first being noticed in March 1918, uh, 1,100 troops had been hospitalised, and 38 had died after developing pneumonia. Um, As then the US started to deploy their troops en masse to Europe, they carried the Spanish flu with them, and it travelled like wildfire through the continent of Europe. Um, It's believed, it's a rough estimation, but it's believed that at some point during the spring of 1918, three quarters of the French military was infected and as many as half of British troops. Um, but it didn't appear to be as deadly this first wave. Um, it was this summer into then autumn, which was really, really brutal. It had this power, this strain had a power to kill perfectly healthy young man or woman within 24 hours of showing the first signs of infection. And it seemed to affect not just the very young and the very old, like you would expect of an astic disease like a flu type thing, it had what was called a w curve, which meant there were high numbers of deaths amongst the young and the old, but also a huge spike in the middle composed of otherwise healthy twenty five to thirty five year olds in the prime of their life. And it was shocking how they were dying. It's not just a flu-like symptom. They were struck with blistering fevers, nasal hemorrhaging, and pneumonia. And essentially, they would drown in their own fluid-filled lungs. Um, Scientists, many years later, were able to describe this phenomenon as a cytokine explosion. Um, And I had to read up about this when I saw this because I did not know what it means. But it basically means when your body is attacked by a virus, your immune system goes into hyperdrive to try and get rid of it but it can then cause an overreaction in healthy individuals. So the body becomes so overloaded trying to get rid of this virus that it causes to severe inflammation of the respiratory system and fatal buildup of fluid in the lungs. And uh, military doctors, British military doctors who conducted autopsies on soldiers killed by this second wave described the heavy damage to the lungs as akin to the effects of chemical warfare. By December 1918, the deadliest, most of the deadly second wave had passed. The pandemic was far from over. Again, a feeling we're all aware of. Um, a third wave erupted in Australia in 1918 and eventually worked its way back to Europe and the United States. And the mortality rate of the third wave was just as high as the second, but because obviously we've come to the end of the war, um, the passing of, the moving around of troops and, and so on did help to try and stop spread a little bit and you know we're talking about numbers that are hugely astronomical and it is truly horrific um the virus is believed to have infected around 500 million people worldwide and killed anywhere between 20 million to 50 million people which even if you take it at its base level is around about the same figure uh killed in the first world war which is a completely Horrific thing to think about how many people died in just not just in eighteen though that year that period of history, so many people died. It truly really is a period of death and one of and is the worst year of history and of course, as just a little sidebar a what if um it was also the year that there was an assassination attempt on Vladimir Lenin and he survived. I wonder what would have happened if he hadn't survived that one um, well done for making
3: everybody truly fucking depressed. Uh, I kind of think you, I, I think it was a really strong contender, but I kind of feel like you missed a trick because you just touched on the end there on something that I think is potentially a better sell even than just listing the death rate in 1918. And that's to say, um, it's also the year that signifies the beginning of the Soviet Union and communist mm. Russia um, and the ideologies that were kicking into play as well. It's the year that Hitler goes home and sees his country and faces, um, and we all know how that ends up. And I wonder if exploring that, Lockheed, makes it, an even stronger contender than just listing how many people died. What do you reckon? I
8: mean, I could, I could have gone on. I had to like limit myself. That was my problem. I was like, there's so much fucking horrible stuff in this year. Where do I but draw if the line? you wasted
1: time talking about some fucking Carolina parakeet and a thousand yeah. pilot wave. <laughs> I was trying to bring is...
8: together people. I was trying to appeal to a broad group of people.
1: <laughs> somewhere out oh, right.
3: there, someone who sold because of the parakeet is what you're Well, saying? there
8: might be, you never know.
2: <laughs>
1: It's like when we go to Messine Ridge and talk about, you know, what ballpark ten thousand Germans killed in the morning, and the mines going off, and no one bats an eyelid, and then you tell them that one of the mines exploded in nineteen fifty five and killed a cow, and everyone goes,
2: yeah.
3: oh. <laughs> <laughs> "Oh, what's somebody think of the cow?" I just hope that they got a decent amount of burgers out of it. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, yeah, I think it's strong. I, I think it's strong because, um, as you as you kind of hinted to. The, although the the war there there's an armistice the fighting did not stop the fighting moves around the fighting goes to, you know they're, they're still fighting in turkey you know they you know parts of the empire um still conflict in germany it's you know you've got a violent revolution so the fighting comes right home uh to the germans and ireland as well you know there's there's anglo irish war in ireland which kicks on. and you've
8: got a whole nation of starving germans that are being blockaded as well it's it's a grim time.
1: So um, yeah, I I, I, it's bad. It's, it's bad, and, and simply saying you know the, the war comes to an end is is a is not a it's a very simplified way of looking at things, and and isn't actually all that persuasive. So yeah, I think you've got a you've got a strong one.
3: Yeah, I think as well. In my favourite stat at the moment: thirteen percent of the adult male Kenyan population dies um in the war and that's something that you we don't even ever think of is the hundreds of thousands of africans as well in the pandemic and in um in the aftermath of world war 1. Uh yeah I think it's a really strong contender. Scott you're a world war 1 bod. Do you yeah, buy? i
0: think yeah it's a good contender. just um one thing i picked out this uh, cytokine storm mm. is what was is what was killing everybody at the start of covid. Is it? Yeah.
3: I have to say though that as soon as you started talking about a third wave, I was like, just shut up, Beth. No one wants to hear it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so treatments that have been developed which have st- helped calm down the death rate uh, were for the, for that cytokine storm. So there you go. So we learned something from 1918, obviously. Uh, I like 1918 because of the hundred days that always does it for me every time.
3: Is it because of Peter Hart's magnificent book?
0: No, it's, it's, because, no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
6: uh,
0: although, uh, yeah, it's a good book, but there you go. Um, yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah, and then We did a bus tour to, uh, as Lockie does all the time, but you know, uh, with it with all the other old fogies from up here in Tayside, and uh, half of them had, didn't even realise, although the World War one bus, Half of them didn't even realise the 100 days had happened because it's all about trenches and mud and death and blood, isn't it?
3: Apparently so. Um, But we are desperately trying to fight that, aren't we? Yeah.
0: Well, we did that on the tour. We took them to other places that they were really surprised by.
3: Brilliant. Okay. Uh, I think Beth may have just nosed into the lead. I don't know if it's more unbearable telling that or telling her that she's not in the lead, um, because she's just as bad a loser as she is a winner. Uh, So with that, we will go and refill our drinks. Uh, We're welcoming Princess to the house as well. He's in his turret.
9: In the turret. Yeah, so hopefully it's not too echoey up here, but uh, yeah, cold, nice views, got a beer. All's, All's good and well.
3: Brilliant. Cool. We will be back in two minutes. Okay, we are back uh, after discussing rum recipes, and uh, Lockie's got a rum and ginger that's making everybody jealous. Uh, and we've all been comparing jabs um, and who gets what jab, and which one is it? Is supposed to not be good um, if you're old in Germany? They've decided. Who was it that said the up?
0: AstraZeneca one? They call it the little jab because it's uh, it's sort of cheap and nasty. Apparently, the that's what they, jab. They, uh, as I said, that Angela Merkel, that's, who's 66, came out and said, "I'm not having that." So, um, yeah.
3: Nice. Whereas a um,
0: national
9: leader comes out and goes, "Get your jab or you're a selfish bastard." That's what the Queen does. And like it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and, and the result is that Germany's vaccinated a couple of old blokes and a dog, whereas we've done what 25, 35% of the adult population.
0: That's right. And we've we've got <laughs> we've got Brenda saying. Get down there and get your jab, and they've got Merkel saying, "No, if you're sixty-six,
3: don't have this one." Yeah, I just think that I think there should be a showdown with pugil sticks between the two of them because I know who'd win. Anyway, we are discussing the most the the worst year in history, which I'm starting to realise means we talk about a load of depressing stuff, uh, but we're doing it <laughs> in an unusual amusing way. Uh, we have done quite a lot of bitching about the 20th century. So far, I want, I want to head out for the 20th century, um, which I think we are now, because I'm going to go to Clyde.
5: Look at his oh, smiley face,
3: good. he really is on a high this week, look at his smiley face. Yeah,
5: I'm more than researching this, because the year I want to talk about is 1349, which was bang smack in the middle of the Black Death. Now... Moaning as we do about lockdowns and having to wear masks and worrying about furlough and disruption to education. All of these are really bad, really horrible things. But they're nearly, they're not nearly as horrible as what came before. And sadly, not as horrible as what might yet be yet to come. But this being history hack, we won't look into the future, we're going to look into the past and we're going to look to 1349 and the Black Death. And this was without a doubt, the worst year to be alive that there has been, because it was bloody miserable. Picture it. 1349 was a pretty bloody miserable year, even without the Black Death, because if you were a peasant, you were living in a little hovel, you were abused by the feudal system, you were cowering at the power of the church, you were absolutely nothing, you couldn't travel much beyond your village, unless you went on a crusade or got conscripted or went off to to fight in France in the Hundred Years' War. But generally speaking, he just ploughed your furrow, gave a large part of what you grew to your to the lord of the manor, and you just got on with life, and then died. And death came fairly quickly. But when the Black Death arrived, it came even more quickly. While COVID has been so awful for so many people, it cannot match the awfulness of the Black Death, which spread across the known world of Asia, Europe and Northern Africa. Between 1346 and 1352, the Black Death accounted for something like 75 to 200 million deaths. Now, that's not as many as the Spanish flu. But when you consider that the population of England in those days was only about, or well, probably less than 4 million, And 50%, possibly, of the English population died. And similar figures occurred elsewhere. It shows how enormous this was. At the beginning of this pandemic, Boris Johnson very kindly said, some of you will lose loved ones. Well, actually, what he should have said is, some of you will die and others will lose loved ones. Well, in the Black Death, there was a 50-50 chance whether it was you or your loved ones. But everyone lost loved ones. Lots of people lost themselves. It took 150 years for the populations to rebuild. That's an extraordinarily long time. If you look at more modern equivalents, after Pol Pot's regime in Cambodia, it only took about 20 years for the population of Cambodia to build back to where it had been. That's what. If you look at the baby boom after the Second World War, there are booms after these bad times. But after the Black Death, it took a 150 years. In 1349, if you were still alive, you must have been thinking, what the fuck do I have to do to stay alive? And no one could have provided an answer. Although there were theories as to the cause, all were bullshit. There were various remedies none of which worked. There were no vaccinations. There was just fear and speculation. The disease was gruesome. I mean, COVID's bad. And there's some of the stories one hears about the people who are suffering um, severe effects of COVID are truly awful. But nothing like bubonic plague. Bubos under your pits, around your neck and in your groin high fever nausea aching joints pain and pus and death 80% of people catching it died within 8 days boccaccio's description of bubonic plague at that time was in sorry in men and women alike <laughs> it first betrayed itself by the emergence of certain tumors in the groin or armpits some of which grew as large as a common apple, others an egg. From the two said parts of the body, this deadly gevocciolo soon began to propagate and spread itself in all directions indifferently, after which the form of the malady began to change, black spots or livid, making their appearance, in many cases on the arm or thigh or elsewhere, now a few large, now minute and numerous, As the Govacilio had been and still was an infallible token of approaching death, such also were these spots on whomever they showed themselves. So so how was it caused? The most...
3: Oh, no, don't crash now. Not in the middle of Masterpiece Theatre. Oh, no, I'm devastated. He looks like he's about to start a fight with someone. (laughs) Oh, Clive, you're back, you're back. Oh, bollocks. Right, we got, <laughs> no, it was hilarious because you froze it's and you awesome. look like a Chelsea hooligan. Yeah, you crazy. look
1: like you're about to chin someone. Yeah. Um, you, you, we, got, we got to the end of your Boccaccio. Um, you said,
3: so how was it caused?
5: Okay, so I didn't lose too much. Good, no. I'll start again from that. The most scientific theory advanced at the time was that it was caused by the conjunction of three planets. Muslim scholars, however, believed it was a God-given opportunity for martyrdom. Christian theologians were a little more miserable and blamed it on sin. This sin thing was a particular problem. A central tenet of Christianity is that we are all sinners. And so if the plague was unleashed because of sin, well, we're all fucked. This led to the Flagellante movement, in which good souls wishing to turn back the tide of the plague would wander around whipping themselves. Like an Opus day on steroids, 50 shades without the fun. In 1349, the Pope banned the idea, but probably too late for all those whipped up, quite literally, into a frenzy. Of course, as always, there were, all, there were other theories, and as a consequence, anti-Semites murdered thousands of Jews in numerous attacks across Europe. One shouldn't be too proud of the fact that none of these were in England, because... Jews had been expelled some years beforehand in an earlier act of regal anti-Semitism. So, whichever way one turns, the lot of people living in 1349 was pretty shit. Across the known world, plagues spread and deaths piled up. Even in Norway, an English ship brought the sickness, and so the poor hardy souls, descendants of Vikings, froze and oozed pus. Landowners lost workers and their own lives. Workers lost work and families. Kings and nobles struggled to put armies together. Armies died together without an arrow being shot. Fear and loss must have filled everyone's thoughts. Mourning and misery and an absence of hope. This wasn't the first pandemic. Evidence of pandemics goes back to prehistory. But but no pandemic has been like this before or since. Ignorance Ignorance abounded. It was just shit. Whereas we've got people, anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers, anti-lockdowners going on about things, they had a lot of loonies giving them all sorts of excuses as to what had caused it and blaming everybody all and sundry for it. As a result of this, as I said, up to half the population of some countries died. That's a hell of a lot of people. In the middle of it, in 1849, people would have been wondering, when the hell does this stop? Everybody else is dying. When is it my turn? Most of the, Very few of those people have survived till today. The Black Death was, without a doubt, just the most horrible thing that's hit, happened to humankind overall, on a global basis, in history. That year was really, truly awful. Since then... Massive economic and social changes happened as a result of the Black Death. The feudal system collapsed, effectively allowing the ultimate rise of capitalism. But in 1349, nobody knew that. They just thought, we're going to die. And I think that's a pretty miserable position to be in. Far worse than we have today, far worse than the Spanish flu outbreak, it was the absolute shittest year of all time.
3: Well done, Clive. I love that you got Masterpiece Cockney Theatre into it as well.
5: Uh, I I had to try.
3: I love watching people's reactions to that the first time they hear it. Scots was a picture. His whole face lit up with glee. Um, (laughs) And he's a dour
5: Scotsman, so that's an achievement. I I, I thought of doing it in a Scots accent, but I thought perhaps (laughs) not. Oh, well, I wouldn't have (laughs) worked.
9: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash (laughs) weight loss.
3: Right, okay. I don't know if I care less about 1349 because it was so far in the past and that, but you have a point in that. I think it was my agent I was talking to this week where she said, for all I want to sulk and bitch and moan about COVID, I do remind myself that I don't have massive pus filled boils under my armpits and in my groin, Uh which uh, Merrin's just checking to make sure she doesn't uh, No, that smell is just what you tried to cook earlier. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh I just Is it because we're distanced from it, Lockie? I mean, it is truly horrific, the percentages of people dying. I know, I know that there are whole villages that were abandoned because literally everyone died, didn't they?
1: Yeah, I think this is a strong one. I, I, I think I, I do really like the kind of notion that life was shit and then you died and... In this year, in particular, it was a really, really nasty death, very likely. And if you didn't die a really, really nasty death, then you watched other people dying really, really nasty deaths. Uh, and the, the, the sheer percentages meant that that was going to come very close uh, to you, very likely. So I think this is strong. I kind of, I'm, I'm glad you kind of brought up Boccaccio because I was sort of reminded of that. And actually, there, there, I've got a few little kind of counters to it. Um, in the, his most famous work, the Decameron. Um, actually kind of spins off from the plague and it's people escaping Florence that end up sort of telling the story. You'd love the Decameron if you haven't read it, Clive, by the way, because it's a uh, a mixture of high Renaissance Italian
5: literature and absolute bawdy filth. Um, so uh, it's, it's... Didn't Pasolini just... make a film of it? Yes. Like, yes. like he did with Canterbury Tales and with <laughs> Sard's um, 120 Days of Sodom.
1: And Gomorrah. <laughs> um... And uh, just sort of doing the uh, obligatory judgy googling as you do, I've just discovered that uh, on, on December the twenty-second, thirteen forty-nine, um, the rise of Alexios the third of Trebizond to the throne ended the Trapezuntine civil wars. So it wasn't all bad.
5: Um... <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but that was possibly because half the combatants had died on the way. Oh yeah. <laughs> they couldn't really muster true. enough people <laughs> together to have a good bash. <laughs>
1: Can you, can you tell I'm thinking of something to say? Um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, just a really another nasty year. It's totally depressing. Well done, Clive. <laughs>
3: Do you know what, as well, though, it's like I kind of feel that we've had the Enlightenment by the time we get to 1918, haven't we? Um, but with this, they truly believe that everything was an act of God. This is pre-Enlightenment. And to them, this is God-fearing people who go to church and, like you say, they live a really tough life and then they die. And yet they are being struck down in waves and it must have been terrifying to not have the medicine, to not have any science behind it. And to have no, I'm talking about the general public, to have no comprehension of why, I'm, but it's not. I mean, we now know that these things come in waves and we were probably way overdue for a pandemic by this year and all of this crap and we can look at it and... And do some, and even in 1918, they could perhaps look back and go, "All well, the plagues in 1665 or whatever it was." Um, but in 1348, it must have felt like the world was ending, and I wonder if that gives it a boost.
5: And no, but also, there was there was really no escape from it. it no, it went everywhere. Whereas you know, later plagues like the 1665 plague and stuff like that, they were fairly isolated and broke out in different places. This was just. Everywhere you went, you couldn't escape from it. I mean, penicillin would have got would have eradicated it very quickly, but they hadn't invented that then. There was also just gross ignorance, and yeah, not only people thinking, "Oh, this is God given," but it's my must be my fault somehow. We must have been very sinful. What did we do? Yeah, and that's not why? a very nice place to be in. Yeah, there's, there's no
3: there's there's
5: no logic, is there? and um, no, it's, it's worse than listening to some of those twerps going on about how this is all caused by 5g telephone masks <laughs> and things like that i mean it's, it's, it's
3: not. you've just completely baffled scott there he's like well, I, I thought that was just bona fide and that's why we. Yeah, so yeah i'm
0: believing that yeah.
3: they are quite backward in scotland if they're they're still free <laughs> and i'm surprised they
5: <laughs> know what 5g is though <laughs>
3: Scott, this is not your wheelhouse, but what do you think? I think this is a strong one.
0: Well, this is a good one. In fact, Andy mentioned the 1665 one, which reminded me of the village in Eam in Derbyshire, which in 1665 shut itself off from the rest of the world and lost most of its population to the Black Death that time round. Same ignorance; nobody knew where it came from. It came in a apparently came with some rat fleas in a box of cloth deliver to the village but the uh, people decided to shut themselves off completely. So isolation much worse than the isolation we have now.
3: Yeah, best so... face says there wasn't a fucking parrot though. Right, okay, parrots aside, let's move on to... Let's go to Marcus. Marcus is uh, flying by the seat of his pants tonight because he was supposed to be at work but here he is.
9: Uh, yeah, this is going to be totally made up. Um... Yeah, and also I was, I was watching something else. Um, yeah, I'm going for. And I, I'm basically making this my aim now for down the pub. Ever since I went like on something that was non-Napoleon at one week and didn't enjoy myself as much, so I'm going for 1815. Um, it has to be uh, 1815 being the worst war, uh, worst year in history, apart from possibly plague. We didn't have plague and pestilence, but what it does have is a, a serious amount of death, an unnecessary death, and natural destruction. Um, it doesn't actually start with Napoleon Bonaparte, the cock, um, who escaped Elba on this day of history in recording 26th of February 1815 for no reason other than he got a bit bored and thought he'd have a war and kill some more people. There is absolutely no reason for Napoleon's return in 1850. It wasn't for glory. It had no chance of success. He just wanted to have some more death and destruction and die in battle and go to the version of Valhalla. There is very few even Napoleonic historians who are part of the cult Napoleon who can really defend his actions. His chance of success was so low with the um, allies of Europe all standing against him that there was only ever going to be inevitably one outcome. Even if he had won at the Battle of Waterloo, he would have been defeated by a combined Austrian and Russian army within weeks. The Russians, by the time of the Battle of Waterloo, had actually reached the Rhine and marched hundreds of miles, and it only would have led to more deaths. In the, in the telling of the Hundred Days campaign when Napoleon returns, what is often not told is that there was a popular uprising against Napoleon by the French in the Vendee region, which Napoleon went into. And massacred the civilians and the uprising there. French on French violence, but actually putting Napoleon Bonaparte aside for a moment, eighteen fifteen has a, a twist which does link to Waterloo. The night before the battle, there was the heaviest downpour uh, in many living memories, and I think largely this was down to uh, volcanic eruption the volcanic eruption which took place uh, at mount tambora in indonesia in april 1815 this led to an initial death of and it's very hard to pitch over 90,000 uh, 100,000 initially died just in that uh, eruption from the locals and the indonesians in that area uh, it led not only probably actually led to the changing of the outcome of the Battle of Waterloo because of the water uh, logging, but actually the knock-on effect into 1816, caused in 1815, so I'm counting it, uh, was terrible. It had a huge, huge effect on the um, crop population, especially wheat and potatoes, which means that if he was here, we'd be talking about Ireland and uh, the potato famine for uh, Dorman. It was a first wave of potato famine and led to a huge amount of death and destruction. Not only in Ireland with large starvation, and so they weren't helped out by basically a bankrupt Britain, but across Germany and many of the Allied nations, where they couldn't afford to feed people in the wake of the uh, decades of war in the Napoleonic era. So it had a larger uh, effect from war to uh, the returning men. This was kind of coincided through 1815 when there was initial jubilation that many of these men, they couldn't find employment for. They were demobilized with no recognition, very little pay, no skills and mass uh, wounded. There was no real pension scheme for them unless they stayed on within the armed forces. And so it was very usual for capital cities across Europe to see a horrible scene of people who were disfigured, uh, limbless and just generally unemployed, uh, trying to Basically, uh, survive day on day who were previously uh, fighting across decades of war. Uh, 1815 actually then finished with a huge gale which destroyed parts of New uh, New England and uh, New Hampshire, and America. But it's just generally a year at the beginning that there was no need for Waterloo to happen, and as a Waterloo era. Uh, person. I actually don't celebrate Waterloo. I celebrate that they got rid of Napoleon, but Waterloo itself was a necessary event, and uh, it was, for those who don't know, about 25,000 French killed and wounded and died, uh, 23,000 allies, and that does not count for the battles of Walf, Lingy, and Kachibar, which adds another 30,000 killed, wounded, and injured over the course of those basically four-day campaign. Really shit, really unnecessary, massive. Oh, and what I didn't say about the volcano, that was the most people who died in a single eruption. So if you want natural disasters, 1815.
3: Well done, considering you've just literally done that off the cuff um, because you suddenly had some spare time and a beer and no life. Well done, Marcus. Lockie, what do you think?
1: Um, I think his, uh, dissing of 1815 would be a bit more convincing if it wasn't, if he wasn't drinking from his Waterloo goblet, uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the time. Is this radio? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah it's it's bad. I don't think it quite ranks alongside global plague and um the slightly more industrialized death that we've had in earlier pitches, but you know I think the 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 natural stuff in particular I didn't know about so um yeah that's that's pretty heavy and it's pretty bad and yeah, I think the kind of needless nature of, of the fighting does lend eighteen fifteen equality
3: as well until I met Marcus and Zach and listened to them bang on about it incessantly. I had no idea just how bloody waterloo was as well and i think you're right in that this is it it does feel like the culmination of all of napoleon's shithousery in 1815 but i wonder if some of the stuff you cited like the the crippled people all over europe and the economic sanctions is that any different in 1814 or 1809 or or is it like is it been building the whole time
9: it had been building, but 1815 was a bit of a cliff edge. So in 1814, they started to demobilise people, but they retained uh, quite a large army. In fact, we had an army of occupation in the Netherlands because we weren't quite sure, because it was a new country, we weren't quite sure what was going on. Uh, but in 1815, we got rid of Napoleon. We put him on a even smaller island. So it was like off a cliff edge. We just mm. mass demobilised huge armies, and everyone did. Uh, so it was a huge state of unemployment and a real labour problem.
3: Well done. I really like that one. Um, What I also want to know, though, Marcus, is what say you? um, I I put a tweet out. I was looking for some of history's losers and not necessarily as in like ha-ha losers, but losers who had been on the wrong side and have got a really bad rap in history. But but anyway, there were loads of interesting ones come up. But then someone came up with Napoleon and said that nobody respects how awesome he was and his admin as well as his fighting and all the incredible things he did in Egypt and I vaguely remember you ranting about mass murder you're like clutching your face
9: I'll, I'll take Egypt as a separate one, I think there's a lot of historians who would argue that he's amazing at logistics and administration, he was really good at that um, That he was good at that like damn, he was good at that uh, Egypt, yeah no, um, he yeah, I think it's because he took some scientists and historians with him so people are like oh enlightenment and, it, yeah, like you say, I think the term shithouser really goes there because he mur- starts murdering um, prisoners because he can. He develops a bit of a Jesus complex. Uh, but, yeah, he, his his admin and logistics is what made his army so uh, impressive. I mean, there's all sorts of little ones you can throw in with 1815. And Marshal Ney would be one of the biggest, like, kind of losers of history. And then he chose the wrong side, a uh, really talented general, and he was executed in 1815 because he flip-flopped between the Bourbons and uh, Napoleon. And then actually one that I think would be most interesting is uh, Battle of New Orleans which I think I get the date right, 2nd of January 1815, so it's just in. Uh, Britain lost a massive battle and uh, we lost one of the generals, Ned Pakenham, which was the Duke's um, brother-in-law and it was actually quite a talented general, and by all accounts, quite a nice guy. And I was, I was thinking, I feel a bit sorry for Ned Packingham. Maybe it's just the name Ned. I feel sorry for people with that name. It seems like a nice name. You, um, I'm
6: enamoured to people with name Ned.
5: <laughs> I, I spent five years fighting a massive lawsuit in the commercial court in Paris. And towards the end of it, when I was getting very friendly with the French lawyers we were working with, I asked one of them, what was Napoleon's greatest achievement? And he said, in a French way, oh, without a doubt, it was the civil code. And I look back over the five years I'd spent in the French courts and wondered why the hell anyone would possibly give anyone credit for developing the French <laughs> <laughs>
3: Brilliant. Okay. Um, for anyone who's wondering why no one is arguing for 5.36? Because apparently it was a total shitstorm. Merrin, you're not arguing for 5.36, are you?
2: <laughs> You'd look so funny now if I yeah, were. I
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Kit was going to do it, but Kit has got 8,000 words and an edit left to do in a month. And he's shitting his pants, not least because he woke up at two in the morning and found his seven Amelia Clark head staring at him with its creepy massive eyebrows um, and had to hide it in a cupboard. So that's why no one is arguing for 536, which actually would have been a great shout. Uh, maybe someone can Google it and we'll just run a list off of why it sucked at the end.
9: Well, it was inevitable that because... yeah, his own head would like destroy him. I know.
3: Gonna... <laughs> and,
9: like, like... Something
3: poetic about it, isn't it? Uh, but we do have a couple left. I'm going to go to Kate next, because Kate has gone completely the other way, timeline-wise, haven't you, Kate?
7: Yeah, I have, yeah. Um, I've chosen a year you all really remember, uh, 2016. And I'm sure you're all thinking, um, I remember 2016, it wasn't that bad. Well, it was. Where do I start? There were numerous bombings and crashes and other disasters. It was the year we lost more talent than in any other year before or since. This year was a seemingly endless succession of tragedies. So I've tried to include only the most compelling in roughly chronological order. And 2016 didn't get off to a great start. On January the 6th, North Korea conducted a nuclear test. And as the United Nations Security Council was deciding on sanctions, they launched a reconnaissance satellite. The launch was condemned as a long range ballistic missile test and seen as sending a message to both China and the US. January also saw a suicide attack near the Blue Mosque in Istanbul, which killed 13 people and injured 14 more. While in Burkina Faso, terrorists attacked a restaurant and a hotel. They held in excess of 250 people, killed at least 30 and injured more than 56. The most influential artist of the 20th century, the icon David Bowie, passed away on January the 10th. Just two days after his birthday, he was only 69. His career was an inspiration, innovative and scattered with reinventions. He was a pioneer of new genres. His music and stagecraft had a huge impact on the the music industry as a whole. To lose such a talent was devastating to many thousands all around the globe. An hour after the announcement of his passing, tweets about him peaked at 20,000 a minute. A cardinal from the Vatican quoted Space Oddity, and the Federal Foreign Office referenced heroes and thanked the legend for his part in the fall of the Berlin Wall. A mere four days later also only 69 years old, we lost the inimitable Alan Rickman. He immortalised Colonel Brandon in Sense and Sensibility, Hans Gruber in Die Hard and Harry in Love Actually. He brought to life the sheriff in Robin Hood and Judge Turpin in Sweeney Todd and gave voice to Absalom the Caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland, as well as Marvin, the paranoid android in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He also lent his sonorous tones to a track on Mike Oldfield's album, Tubular Bells 2, where he announces each instrument. Rickman's exquisite voice, dramatic command and languid, cool presence made him a national treasure. He bewitched our minds and ensnared our senses. He bottled fame and brewed glory. But sadly, even Severus Snape could not stop his death. During the following fortnight we also lost Grizzly Adams actor Daniel Haggerty, Glenn Gray founding member and frontman of the Eagles, the smoky-voiced singer-songwriter Black best known for the single Wonderful Life, who was only 53. Paul Cantner, co-founder of Jefferson Airplane died, and just a few hours later on the same day, another founding member of the band, Signe Tolly, also died. Their deaths were unrelated. Frank Finlay, the renowned actor who played, among others, Iago, Jacob Marley, the musketeer Porthos, the witch Smellipa Suvant in Blackadder and Conan Doyle's Inspector Lestrade, also passed away in January. On January the 28th, the World Health Organization announced an outbreak of the Zika virus. The end of January also saw the death of Terry Wogan, leading media personality and national treasure, the most listened to radio broadcaster in Europe and host of TV shows, including Blankety Blank, points of view, children in need, come dancing, and, of course, the Eurovision Song Contest. On to February, which started with the targeted assassination of Afghan child soldier Wasil Hamad. He'd returned to school following a 71-day siege during which he'd commanded a team of 75 pro-government soldiers against an attacking force of hundreds of Taliban. He was shot on his way to school one morning. The month continued in a similar vein. With the deaths of Maurice White, founder, leader and main songwriter of Earth, Wind and Fire, John Disley, co-founder of the London Marathon, Michael Hansen, science writer and journalist who was only 51, Harper Lee, author of To Kill a Mockingbird, and finally, Frank Kelly, the actor better known as Father Jack, had his last drink. March wasn't much better, and the two Ronnies became one when Ronnie Corbett passed away. There would be no more fork candles or oranges and blackberries. Victoria Wood, aged just 62, passed away on April the 20th. Wood wrote and starred in dozens of sketches, plays, musicals, films and sitcoms over several decades. She was voted the funniest female comedian by other comedians in 2005 and won numerous other polls and awards, including 14 BAFTAs. The next day, Prince bid us farewell, aged only 57, a skilled and innovative musician with one of the widest vocal ranges ever heard. An innovator and cultural icon, he integrated a wide variety of styles. (laughs) and pioneered a funk rock subgenre in the late 70s. He released an enormous amount of music and won countless awards during his lifetime, becoming one of the best-selling music artists of all time, with over 150 million record sales worldwide. When he died, he left a massive amount of unreleased projects, including dozens of fully produced albums, music videos, and other unseen media. He also wrote very successfully for other musicians, including Sinead O'Connor and The Bangles. He's estimated to have written over a 1,000 songs in his short lifetime. March the 22nd of this year was the Brussels bombings, three coordinated suicide bombings, two nail bombs at the airport, one bomb on a train, just pulling out of a station. 32 civilians were killed and more than 300 injured. The bombings were the deadliest act of terrorism in Belgium's history. April the 1st, the Nagorno-Karabakh clashes occurred along the 250-mile-long line of contact, basically the Armenian-Azerbaijani armed forces. Estimates suggested a total of 350 lives lost. It may have been over 500 in the clashes, which were described as the worst since the 94th ceasefire. And there was no real outcome. Civilians were killed and mutilated. Soldiers were beheaded. The area was devastated. In May, Matthew Boyd, a 20 year old soldier in the Royal Gibraltar Regiment, was beaten to death in Brecon just a few days before his 21st birthday. This shook the regiment and the country and beyond to its core. Also in May, the Egypt Air Flight 804 crashed into the Mediterranean Sea en route from Paris to Cairo, killing all 66 people on board. Early June saw the passing of Muhammad Ali, the greatest, one of the most significant and celebrated figures of the 20th century and probably the best boxer of all time. Later that month, a gunman claiming allegiance to the Islamic State opened fire at a nightclub in Orlando, killing 49 people and injuring 53 others. On June the 16th, 41-year-old Jo Cox, a Labour MP, was fatally shot and stabbed in West Yorkshire. A 77-year-old local man, Bernard Kenny, was also stabbed while trying to defend her. On June the 22nd, the United Kingdom voted in a referendum to leave the European Union. Near the end of June, ISIL was suspected to be responsible for attacking Atatürk Airport in Istanbul, killing 45 people and injuring around 230 others. Carolina Hearn, Aged just 52, an award-winning comedian, writer and actress, best known for Mrs. Merton, The Fast Show and The Royal Family, died at the beginning of July. July the 14th was the Nice truck attack. 86 people were killed, more than 400 others injured when a 19-ton cargo truck was deliberately driven into crowds of people during Bastille Day celebrations. The video cassette recorder died on July the 22nd, the date the last one was manufactured. August saw us say goodbye to Kenny Baker, R2-D2 in Star Wars, he was also Flash Gordon and Labyrinth, as well as Gene Wilder, the original Willy Wonka. In September, the government of North Korea conducted its fifth and reportedly biggest nuclear test. World leaders condemned the act with South Korea, calling it a ma- calling it maniacal, maniacal recklessness. At the end of this month, global CO2 levels exceeded 400 ppm. This time of year is normally associated with minimum levels, 400 ppm. Is believed to be higher than anything experienced in human history. In November, there would be no more hallelujah as Leonard Cohn shuffled off his mortal coil. While faulty towers Manuel with an uno dos tres, I know nothing, bade us his last adios as Andrew Sachs passed away. In other news this month, Donald Trump was elected President of the United States. Also in November, La Mia Flight 2933 crashed into a mountain near Medellin, Colombia, killing 71 of the 77 people on board. On December the 18th, the extravagant, glamorous and much-married Zaga Gabor met her maker. And on Christmas Eve, the bell tolled for Richard Adams, author of Watership Down. Rick Parfitt, singer-songwriter and rhythm guitarist with status quo for almost 50 years, only 68 when he died from sepsis at a hospital in Marbella. Liz Smith, the hugely successful character actress, appeared in countless shows, such as 2.4 Children, The Vicar of Dibley, and probably best known as Nana in The Royal Family, also died on Christmas Eve. And there was no let-up. George Michael, the singer songwriter who rose to fame as half of the music duo Wham, sold 115 million records worldwide during his lifetime, making him one of the best-selling music artists of all time. He had seven number ones in the UK, eight in the US. He was an active LGBT rights campaigner and HIV AIDS charity fundraiser. He was only 53 years old when he was found dead at his home on Christmas Day. Just two days later, Princess Leia actress Carrie Fisher passed away. In addition, there were numerous natural disasters. The Zimbabwe drought, the El Nino induced drought led to 4 million people requiring food aid. The Ecuador earthquake with a magnitude of 7.8. Hurricane Matthew, a Category 5 storm with a death toll of over 1,600 people and a damage of $10.5 billion. The California wildfires, half a million acres of land was burnt to ash, causing the death of around 100 million trees. Winter storm Jonas, northeast US, was affected by the storm of the century. So extreme that people were dying due to hypothermia and co2 poisoning in italy an earthquake killed 299 people injuring at least another 396 around 2100 people were forced to shelter in emergency camps just hours later Myanmar was struck by an earthquake there were the louisiana floods six huge rivers broke the record of their water level causing extensive flooding Taiwan earthquake killed more than 116 people and the New Zealand earthquake. A massive tremor was felt near New Zealand's capital, Wellington, even though the epicentre was 120 miles away. The earthquake ruptured six major faults after the strike and was followed by a tsunami that hit the coast two hours later. I offer 2016 for your consideration as the worst year in history. You may or may not agree with me. And to be fair, there was no worldwide disaster, no global pandemic, no major conflict, no war. But there was also barely a day went by when something really shit didn't happen. Hundreds of thousands of people across the world were affected by terrorism, grief, and natural disasters. Are you depressed yet?
3: God, Kate, you got to June, and I was like, enough, no more, no more dead <laughs> people, no. <laughs> I didn't quite, I I knew you were going to mention Trump and I knew you were going to mention the forbidden B word uh, (laughs) and I knew that the curse of Aaron Ramsey would come into play. For those not of a football disposition, the hilarity was that every time Aaron Ramsey scored for Arsenal, somewhat one of these people died. Um, (laughs) Really? Fucking Aaron ramsey off by the end of it. It was hilarious. Oh, shit. Because he knew all about this so called curse. And every time someone mentioned it to him, an oppressor or that, he'd be like, leave me
1: alone! <laughs> uh, but
3: yeah, <laughs> God, it really was a list of depressing stuff, wasn't it, Lock?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and no, I remember it at the time as well, and just thinking, fuck, another one's gone, and you know, surely, surely no year could be any worse than, than this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of I, I feel a little bit aggrieved that um in mentioning alan rickman um you you mentioned love actually and not his finest role which was obviously galaxy quest
3: well not even um, did you mentioned the sheriff of Nottingham. i did yes yeah yes. yeah
1: that, that, that got in there um yeah uh george michael we miss him prince we miss yeah there's a there's a, a lot of characters who did have full lives I kind of you know they, a lot came at once but you know you talking yeah. about a lot of characters who had full lives and, and brought and, a lot of joy really, as well yeah,
7: and there are only one person but um they did sort of it was an awful lot of talent and inspiration that we didn't get to see fulfill its potential
3: was it passing of the guard kind of for the 20th century what with Ali and bowie and maybe I don't know There was a
9: article at the time. It was like, "How are so many celebrities dying?" It was like because they're old, and it was was the summary of the article. It was like, "Okay."
3: Yeah, (laughs) in our world, it was because of Aaron Ramsey. Totally got me. (laughs) Totally
0: got me at uh, Terry Morgan. That was (laughs) it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Although, as soon as you mentioned the royal family, I was like, "Fuck her." (laughs) 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 I've never laughed once at that program. I despise it, Um, but she was brilliant she was
7: amazing and she was old there were a lot of old people died that year admittedly but there were also a lot of people very talented very inspirational people who died long long before their time you know 20 30 40 years before their time which is sad you know make you wonder what they would have gone on to do what else they could have offered this is true
3: um I get it kind of I don't know if I'm 100% sold I need to ponder this one more because that was
7: a bloody long list yeah it just yeah it was just one thing after another wasn't it and and yeah there was a bit of everything in there
1: it's the death of a thousand cuts rather than a, rather than a single kind of one really really bad thing isn't it
7: yeah which is almost more painful because it's just what next
3: yeah. it would have been had covid not happened i think because now
5: <laughs> we know what's next lots of medals in the olympics that year
3: this is true we were fucking awesome yeah, we were quite good. Uh, right, okay. I think we've got one more to come.
5: Um, oh, sorry, also, sorry, Alex, sorry, could just one other thing. Chelsea won the league that year, didn't we? We
3: did, which is no, why I no. can't hate it completely. Um, I was trying to think if it was the year of the Battle of the Bridge, but that's not, that's the year before, isn't it?
5: Oh, sorry, <laughs> we won the league in se seven, 16, 17. So, yeah. yeah, it started.
3: So it was the start of it. It was Antonio Conte yeah. before he went mad. Yeah. It's quite a good year for us. Uh, right, okay, Heather's in the house. Uh, you all right, Heather? She's bar flying because she's just got home from work. She's been playing with bacteria all day. Uh, yep. which is funny because we haven't, we're not explaining that and the St. Patrick's Day special hasn't got out yet. So people are going to be like, uh, oh. um, but maybe we'll explain it. Maybe we won't. We've got one more to come. Um, better be good, Meryn.
2: Mmm, I'll give it a go. Ready? Yeah, go. We're hearing the odd, oh, but, you're more than fair there, or, on the other hand, but, and ironically, this is a good thing, the one thing we're not hearing tonight is reasons to be cheerful, one, two, or three. So far, it's true, we've had some good contenders. You could say, and I might say, they I've been some clever bastards. But I'd like to nominate a year that you're just not expecting. 1987. One or two people here tonight might not have been born in 1987, but I'm nominating this year not for any one particularly large incident, but for the myriad dark mini incidents that make this one heck of a year. Just to set the scene, this is the year in which Terry Waite, Special Envoy the Archbishop of Canterbury, was in Lebanon and he was kidnapped in Beirut on the 20th of January and then chained alone in the dark for five years. Dark times, nuclear tests peaked this year with the United States Musketeer Nuclear Test Series, 14 tests following Charioteer and Touchstone, nothing to do with born. Soviets got in on the action with 24 nuclear tests, putting enough emissions into the atmosphere to totally wipe out anything that had happened in Hiroshima. But that really wasn't a problem, not compared with Guyana in the Brazilian state of Goya, where a forgotten radiotherapy source was taken mysteriously from an abandoned hospital site in the city. And thousands of people drank contaminated water and died, second only to Chernobyl, and almost completely forgotten something you do want to forget i mean it's true we had good morning vietnam the untouchables and lethal weapon this year but we also had to suffer the ignominy of superman 4 police academy 4 and death wish 4. the word death wish in 1987 shouldn't be poo-pooed in shanghai 17 people died when at the Jiazui ferry terminal in shanghai Fog delayed departure when the announcement was eventually made. They literally killed each other in a stampede to get in board, get on board. Ferries. Not a good year for ferries. At 6pm on March the 6th in 1987, the Townsend Torreson roll-on roll-off ferry the Herald of Free Enterprise turned over on its side. It settled onto a sandbar, came to rest and instead of completely turning turtle, because one man had forgotten to close the bow doors. It wasn't unusual then, health and safety isn't quite what it is today, but in total, that disaster killed 193 people and the youngest was just 23 days old. 1987 makes me feel old. O-levels were abandoned this year. I did O-levels in all kinds of subjects and somewhat ironically, I did not do one in history. At the time, history was being made when in May, an Iraqi jet fired two exocet missiles at the American frigate USS Stark. This was the Iran Iraq war. 37, um, US Navy personnel were killed or later died in that attack. This is the year that saw a renewed series of major Iranian human wave offensives in both northern and southern parts of the country. A human wave of for the technical who are listening is an infantry tactic in which an Tucker conducts a frontal assault with densely concentrated infantry formations against the enemy line, with the intent to overrun the the defenders by engaging in melee combat. This is the war in which Oliver North became infamous for taking the fifth in post-war hearings. This is the war in which Reagan escaped all blame by saying, I do not recall. Reagan, governor of Texas. Texas comes up in 1987. While there were three major typhoons in the Philippines, one of the greatest disasters of the year was the Philippine Philippine Airlines Flight 206, which crashed into the side of a mountain, killing just four crew members and just 46 passengers. But one of those was John Neal, who was the managing director of Texas Instruments. Who knows what might have happened to speak and spell had he not died in in that plane crash. That part of the country, that part of the world, Tamil Tigers planted a massive bomb in the Sri Lankan capital, killing more than a 100 people. The Black Dragon Fire in China, also known as the Daxing Angling Wildfire, began in the northeast prefecture of Heilongjiang in the People's Republic of China. This started when an untrained 18-year-old worker accidentally ignited gas he'd spilled from his brush cutter. It burned for a month. In China, it covered 1,600,000 kilometres of area, which included one-sixth of China's entire timber reserves. What a waste. The forestry minister lost his job. The young brush cutter and the man who hired him went to jail. And a deserved four-year sentence went to a fire chief who saved his house while the rest of his town burned. But that's not the strange thing about that fire. The strange thing about that fire in 1987 is that it also spread over the border into the Soviet Union. In Russia, they lost 18 million acres of forest. But they simply let the fire burn out because they weren't depending on it, on those um, wood reserves, for any real reason. The public was never told about the fire. I want to be straight with you, that's not good. Another thing that's not good was what was known as the syringe tide, an environmental disaster in Connecticut, New Jersey, where significant amounts of medical waste were washed up in New York City and on Long Island. This forced the closing of beaches along the Atlantic coast And the syringe tide is referenced in Billy Joel's hit single, We Didn't Start the Fire, by the line, Hypodermics on the Shore. And not to make too fine a connection for those with um, queasy stomachs, but that coarse little German, common as Klaus Barbie, butcher of Leon, found guilty of crimes against humanity. Perhaps there's an upside to 1987. The downside of 1987 was that it also included Black Monday, the stock market crash in October. U.S. markets fell more than 20% in a single day. It's thought that the cause of the crash was precipitated by a computer program-driven trading model that followed a portfolio insurance strategy. Basically, the computers cocked it up. If you'd invested then, you'd not have had much in your bank account the day afterwards. Not much razzle in your pocket, I'm afraid. It took two years for the Dow to recover completely. Someone who did not recover in 1987 was Andy Warhol, who died following gallbladder surgery. But he didn't die because of the surgery. He died because someone at the hospital wasn't monitoring him properly. That's really quite sad when you think about it. That was a bad job. What was a proper job was the 1987 grenade attack in the Sri Lankan parliament, when an assailant hurled two grenades into a room where the members of parliament were meeting. The grenades bounced off the table and rolled between the president, Jaya and the PM, Prima Dasa, little hand grenades, very small ones, in betweenies. They were sitting at a table and the grenades just simply rolled along the table and rolled away into the corner of the room, where a Member of Parliament and a Ministry Secretary were killed, unfortunately. Their time was up. 1987 was shortened by one second to adjust the Gregorian calendar. How's that for unfair? You'll see glimpses of death and destruction everywhere this year. The Queen Street Massacre took place, which was a spree killing in the Australian post offices in Melbourne, Victoria. The Leyu Massacre took place in Donggang Bay, Republic of China, when 19 unarmed Vietnamese boat people were killed by the RSC military. I want to be straight with you. The Hungerford Massacre happened this year. A series of random shootings in Hungerford, England, when 27-year-old Michael Robert Ryan, an antiques dealer, Shot dead 16 people for apparently no reason, including an unarmed police officer and his own mother before shooting himself. Jaco Pastorius, a man who's been called arguably the most important and groundbreaking electric bassist in history, and perhaps the most influential electric bassist of the century. He died this year. He developed a self-destructive habit of provoking bar fights and allowing himself to be beaten up. Strange fella. Jacqueline Dupre died this year, the classicist and cellist. The Remembrance Day bombing happened this year, also known as the Enniskillen bombing or Poppy Day Massacre. 8th of November 1987, a provisional IRA bomb exploded near the town's war memorial in Enniskillen. During a Remembrance Sunday ceremony, which was being held to to commemorate British military war dead, 11 people were killed, many of them elderly, and 63 were injured. The IRA said it had made a mistake and its target had been the British soldiers parading to the memorial. The bombing was strongly condemned by all sides and it undermined support for the IRA and Sinn Féin. It's often seen as a turning point in the Troubles, an incident that shook the IRA to its core. Something that shook the Soviet authorities was the small plane, a Wee Cessna, that landed in Red Square this year. In May, 19-year-old Matthias Rust, a West German, flew a small Cessna airplane into Moscow, landing in Red Square, pretty much to prove that he could do it. But he was sentenced to four years in a labour camp in That's some penalty just for having a go at landing a Cessna in Red Square. Oh, no, no, no. A no. It's okay. Grandfather clock. Right. Red Square. Where were we? Red Square. Yellow Brick Road natural progress from Red Square. We have sad, sad news on the yellow brick road front in 1987. This is a man who was outlived by a woman who could fly. Not Superman's big sister, but Mary William Ethelbert Appleton Burke, Glinda the Good. Scarecrow, ray blogger of the Wizard of Oz died this year. The good, the bad, the ugly, the great, and the amazing died this year. Not quite as bad as Kate's year, I have to say. Danny Kaye died. Patrick Troughton died, Rita Hayworth, Fred Astaire, Primo Levy, Lorne Green, Hymn of Bonanza fame, and Lee Marvin, Last Day for a Wandering Star. 1987 was not a good year. We had natural disasters, crimes against humanity, economic and social disruption, losing the famous, losing our favourite for its war, grief, and disaster. And finally, I'm afraid to tell you that this was the very sad year in which the world was introduced to Kylie Minogue's I Should Be So Lucky.
3: <laughs> it was indeed. Matt is dancing because Boney's back in the house. He's full of curry and ready to party. Uh, dragged
4: was... me away from Grand Budapest Hotel as well, so let's make this <laughs> snappy.
3: <laughs> uh, that was another good one. lucky, I... Are you starting to just think that humanity is doomed and that every year is this bad?
1: Yeah, but I think we, you know, we, we, we cope with years like this when it's, you know, as I kind of put in the chat before you, you it feels like you're under historical facts, machine gun fire. Um, and, you know, it's a fairly unrelenting thing. I think we're the, the little ones. We kind of bat away. Um, I've got, I do have um, at least one question. Firstly, your grandfather clock, um, talk me through what happened there, because it, it, I made it 21 minutes past nine. Whose <laughs> clock goes off at 21 minutes past the hour? Is it and it is actually
2: a it, it chimed two o'clock as well, so it's having a complete moment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought that was an attempt to do a Charlie
9: and have really good sound effect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was really impressed. It's overacting. So, I was like,
2: oh, brilliant. <laughs> no, it's just a really bonkers grandfather clock, I'm afraid. <laughs>
5: Is it a, de- a demented grandfather's clock?
3: It is. It yeah, is. It's a grandfather's clock. I really like <laughs> that one. Um, I just remember the hurricane. Just. Yeah, I Michael do too. Fish and his... Uh, only because my mum was pregnant with my brother. I remember it being Can very, 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 very point, dark. Can I make a I am going to come back that
5: to you. Was, That was not a hurricane. Michael <laughs> Fish was absolutely right. It wasn't a hurricane. It was a windstorm.
3: I'm more, in, more interested in the fact that Clive turned 30 that year and twisted his testicle. What's that all about?
9: <laughs> I'm sorry, <but laughs> rocking up like a windstorm is not a good uh, rock album.
5: Is it? <laughs> no. Not the Having fact. a twisted testicle is not, not very funny at the time. It, so other, like, other people found it very funny, but for me it was quite a sore point.
1: Who, who twisted it?
5: It just happens. It can happen to anyone. (laughs) It can't happen to me anymore, but it could happen to you.
1: So the context
3: of that was you saying that that's where you were in hospital when you found out about the Herald of Free Enterprise. Scott, you were booked on it.
0: Yeah, we were in uh, Paris for the rugby, and uh, I parked, illegally parked. We drove across. I lived in Northamptonshire at the time. Uh, We drove across for the rugby for the weekend. I illegally parked, and instead of heading for the ferry, we headed to the Pound.
3: My chum wrote the book on that. Um, so, yeah. that's the one where they left the doors open, right?
0: It is, yeah. Well, it's it's sail. They used to just sail and they close the doors on the way. But yeah. There was a, there was some uh, uh, not turbulence. What do you call it? With the waves, big waves, hmm. and it just overwhelmed it. That was it. But yeah, we we were supposed to be on it. We had to stay an extra night because we had to rescue the car.
3: Yeah, my friend. I think uh, sp-
1: I think splishy splashiness is the term, isn't it? I, I'm not no. I'm not one of these naval types, it's but I think details. splishy that's splashiness. That's what yeah. yeah. big that's splishy perfect. splashy. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. you
2: said about big. I've just discovered that um one of the, there were eleven or twelve awards given out, and one of the awards was given to um a guy who was as big as you, Lucky. And what the reason he was given an award was that he created a human bridge because the boat had turned on its side. A corridor. People had to go across what was a corridor, so this like gap. So he literally laid across this corridor, and people walked across him.
5: Yeah, it could work.
3: Lucky do that.
1: We have our we have our uses of big jumps. Yeah.
2: Nineteen eighty-seven
4: had was the year of the Phantom Harrier as well. There was a, a GR five that ejected its pilot just randomly, punched him out through the canopy, and then just kept flying.
3: I'm, I'm kind of stuck on what happened to the guy that's ejected out of the canopy where does he end up <laughs> just can you imagine la 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 flying my plane la 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 la, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> and you're gone
9: <laughs> I, I i don't yeah, remember no, that the... because apparently he's a expert early ejections
3: Oh, dear. Um,
9: pretty-
3: yeah what happened i mean that that happen. at that point you've got to be cursing your fucking employer right
4: We'll we'll plane. The er, er, early early ejections or early ejections no. do you
2: get the tie that's what i want to know if it goes off by accident do you get the tie because you know that everybody who, who has to use the ejector seat gets issued with a specific tie
4: yeah and, and you get a brayman watch these days as well yeah yeah you get one with your with your ejection number on it I'm i'm pretty sure he did yeah. and a very big apology from martin baker <laughs>
9: <laughs> an expensive watch i can just imagine all of these crab air pilots going oh brilliant. pull the toggle yeah,
4: let's go. It, oh i don't I, know how that happened yeah my, my old lecturer <laughs> at co- college got had to eject from his gnat when they lost his engine off singapore um and he he claims and he showed us his medical records he is officially an inch and a half shorter than mm. he was When Before he punched out He'd also taken his feet off the rudder pedals Which he wasn't supposed to do Because he tensed up Because he knew what was about to happen Um, And that meant that his legs weren't pulled in properly So he broke both his legs Just above the knee Because it it pulls your legs in And holds you tight Because it's expecting you to be in a flying position Um, But yeah, he was short And he he broke both his legs And ended up in the sea off Singapore During a typhoon
3: She's obviously now known as doing a Tiger Woods.
4: Yeah, basically.
3: <laughs> Two multiple compound fractures in both legs. Ow! Mm. Sucks to be cheating. Just gonna say cheating on your wife has its comeback eventually. Uh,
4: well, she did take a seven iron to him the first time round, so. <laughs> for her. Yeah. Didn't do
2: much damage.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must try harder. Uh, in Heather's world, she's like <laughs> not even trying. <laughs> right, okay. We're going to go around the room and find out while Lockie and I decide who has won. Uh, who you would have picked if you couldn't have your own worst year in history? Uh, you can candles- also. Oh, did anyone look up five thirty-six?
5: It was very right. cold, wasn't it? Yeah, there, there was a year of there was. They reckon it was volcanic ash, but basically everything went dark for eighteen months. Temperatures across the globe dropped. Crops failed. It was thoroughly miserable, but probably because of a volcano.
3: Either that or whoever was writing the Chronicle went to Croydon. Yep, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can
4: attest to that. Croydon's much like that now. It gets darker yeah. as soon as you cross the border.
3: <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, and Hull. Man, I went to Hull for a football game um, to see Chelsea, and it was dark at three o'clock in the afternoon. What's that about?
5: And that's in summer.
3: Yeah.
5: <laughs> that's,
4: that's just the depression of the town. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Like a cloud of sadness. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor hole. Right, okay, let's go around the room and find out which year you would have if you couldn't have your own. um, And we'll find out who's won for Scott as well. Um, Heather's only heard a couple of them, but was he where she's gone on it? Clive, if you couldn't have 1349, did you do what? Eight?
5: Yeah. Yeah, which one? Um, I think I would have gone for 1918 because just the sheer volume of death and because I like to suck up to Beth. (laughs)
3: Beth I know it's incomprehensible to you that someone may have chosen one that challenged you but if you couldn't have
7: 1918
8: um I yeah I I, they're all pretty pretty splendid like really depressing to be fair I mean Matt really got off onto a good put us onto a good level um Kate was just nonstop. um and as, oh god, yeah, right. Um, Kate or Matt? Kate or Matt? I can't pick. Okay, Scott, if you were choosing,
0: I better switch on. I suppose uh, thirteen forty nine grabs me first, but I th- uh, and I thought nineteen eighty seven was going to be some cheerful stories, but no, it was just depressed all over again. So I'll go for the. I'll go for my hundred days, nineteen eighteen.
3: Do you remember 1987 being that depressing?
0: Um, no,
3: don't,
5: not, not particularly, no. Uh,
3: Clive has an explanation for why um, Terry Waite got released.
5: I sat next to him at a dinner once, mm-hmm. and all he spoke about was how much he enjoyed bed and breakfasts, which was interesting enough. But the other thing I noticed about him, the thing that really stuck in my mind, was the fact that he really just didn't seem to like deodorant. And I suspect that after five years, the chaps who had kidnapped him just had enough and thought, if you're not going to have a shower, mate, go home.
3: (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) Merrin, you couldn't have 1987.
2: Then it has to be my my wonderful friend, Alan, um, Mr. Rickman, 2016, because it was just one after the other after the other and while Kate while you were just running through them it was just like kill me now. And you get
3: to November and you get
2: Trump. Uh, well that, that, that's not even you know but it, it, Mr
3: Rickman.
2: Mr. Rickman. Oh, the
3: world is surely a darker place without him. Mm. No you're judging.
1: Gotcha. I'll, I'll tell you in a sec. <laughs> Marcus.
9: I'm <laughs> um, uh, 1987, because it's not one that really pops up in recent history, uh, but I think I think Clive's purely, because if you think about living through it, I genuinely think it would have felt like for everyone was religious, of so one religion or another, really, it would have felt like the end of the world. It would have felt like the wrath of God coming upon you. And if the plague wasn't going to get you, something else was, but it was going to be the plague. And therefore the dark clouds, the end of the world, the graves are going to open and it's going to be the second coming. Yeah. That just would have, and it would have, just would have kept coming. Yeah. That would have been um, particularly a shit year to do.
3: Boney.
4: I only heard two. One was mine, <laughs> which I thought was amazing. Um, so if you're going to vote, vote for me. Um, to, to be
3: fair, I, you've seen I, the chat going around during the week about some of the, yeah, other no, I, I
4: think to be fair, I, I was probably leaning towards 1918 because that, ev, 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 yeah, eighteen is horrible, but I was more than I think about it. 1987 is probably a good show because it's, it's lots and lots of good level depressing stuff all, all year, all year through. And yeah, there's a if you think about it, it's the last time you two released a decent album as well, <laughs> Josh, Josh, Joshua Tree.
2: Not one of you spotted all the references to Ian Dury, by the way.
4: Who well, played? Quite good. To did, you Rouse, did
2: you get the name of every job. single track in there? That was That's the year that, he, that was. That was the year he released "Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll."
3: I'm still laughing at the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Flying along, minding my business with my fighter jet and fuck.
2: <laughs> I'm laughing at it. Uh,
3: Heather, you heard a
7: couple. Um, I would probably go with 1987. Kate, um, I think I'd go with Clive's choice, just because for a year to be really bad when life was so shit anyway is is quite. Something else, yeah, and th- they were dark times, so to to have a shit year in such dark times is yeah, James,
3: if you can have one not based on Band of Brothers, what would it be? was your feet
6: in turkey. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually going to go. 1987 for this one, I mean 2016 was winning for me, but then I realised 1987 didn't really have social media and for to that be such a bad year without social media I mean the Black Plague was convincing Bess was also very convincing, but I'm Partly ruling it out because she saw the suggestion before anyone else, so she sort of got free reign to go mad on a top choice. You are, and, not, um,
3: you are, not in her good books. Be
6: fair, James. There wasn't social media in
3: thirteen
6: forty-seven either. <laughs> oh, yeah, there were so many terrible years during those times. It sort of made it less impactful for me. So I have to go in nineteen eighty-seven. Can you
4: imagine Twitter in nineteen eighteen?
6: No. <laughs>
3: no 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 no. you imagine oh. twitter in 1349 19- you think there's a-, a- there's a slight minority of religious loons on twitter now can you imagine 1349 uh fly on the wall it might be amusing for half an hour then you'd have to get the fuck out of there i think uh right okay i also want to know quickly before we announce the winner do you think that these years are? are worse than 2020 or do you think 2020 crowns them all? Because that was the inspiration from our listener. You think 2020 is worse? Matt? No. No? I, I,
4: yeah. Let, let's, let's look at this. 2020, we've got a pandemic that's, yes, killing millions of people, but within six months we've got a vaccine. I, I'm, yes, we're locked up. We're stuck in our houses. But here we are. There's what? The nine, ten, eleven of us having a bit of a giggle on a Friday night.
2: Yeah. yeah, it.
4: it I'm. i i I'm, I'm sorry, but you you can't call up Deliveroo in 1436 and get a bit of respite <laughs> rest, rest, rest <laughs> yeah. from it.
7: McDonald's
3: drive-through may have been shot for a couple of months there, but <laughs> I, ultimately we weren't without. Furloughed
9: car. in the middle of the Black Death, so I yeah. <laughs> don't feel today. Yeah,
3: furloughed <laughs> on 80 percent pay, I don't think it happened in, uh, <laughs> in Black Death either. I think we've got a point, right. Top three, Lockie and I decided. Lockie, number
1: three. Yeah. Um, these were all strong, I, I think. I think mean, we, we had a, a real kind of tough time separating these. Um, in third place, and maybe a parakeet away from further brilliance, um, <laughs> Betty Lala uh, with 1918. She's not um, fucking
3: happy, look.
1: I know she's not happy.
3: You know what? I think ultimately, Beth, we were a little bit like I might have might have given her a second if it wasn't for
8: the fucking parrot. It was it was kind of.
2: If you're if you're reducing it to this, I
8: might you have both gone down in my estimations, and I don't want to be friends anymore. <laughs> the Great War Group is here by disbanded. Oh. I don't want to be trustees
3: with you because you didn't pick me. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> no, it was a really, really strong one. Um but for reasons that will become apparent, it got beaten by two others. Only two, Beth. Um, it got beaten by Matt, who we've given second, and it wasn't for Ayrton Senna, though kind of we share that experience with you, and it was a kind of um it was an end of innocence thing because you watched a guy die on T V and it was a bit like fuck. Um, but I think it was your point about things like the genocide and it's 1994 and you're looking at it and you're thinking we should fucking know better we've had 1918, we've had 1944 we've had all the years in between how have we not learnt by now that it's not okay to stand there while this stuff plays out on television and I think that quite moved us as judges didn't it Lockie
1: yeah, absolutely, it did. Um, just the kind of the moral bankruptcy of it all and sheer evil uh, in in our own lifetime is, is something else.
3: And coming on top of all the other years we talked about, because a lot of them were twentieth century based, um, we felt that we have a, we had a fucking right to expect that by nineteen ninety four humanity knew better, and it clearly didn't. Um, so we, um, we
4: we thought we did. Yeah, you know it was it was quite optimistic then you know even the music was good Yeah, you know, things were yeah you know, things were looking up yeah. it's
3: like you said it was like we we were in quite a smug place weren't we like the soviet union had fallen the cold war was over um mm. we thought we'd like moved on and we evidently hadn't which that quite quite affected us as judges I- um, I am.
4: I am a bit annoyed because I did find one more thing that probably would have swung me into first place to make it on. terribly. Uh, <laughs> just Justin Bieber was born in 1994. Oh, you See, just lost that I, I, if I'd thrown
1: that in, win. But never mind. Thank you. <laughs> thank you guys.
3: Um, But lucky. Where did we go in the end?
1: Um, it's our absolute delight to announce that um, Clive, uh, with his. Grim portrayal of medieval gloom and utter doom uh, is is our word. Uh, 1349, we believe, is the shittest year in the history of the world.
3: I think concept. <laughs> it was. It was. Wasn't it? The the fact that for the people that experienced it, it was the end of the fucking world, as they knew it. Yeah. Like literally, the there's no sort of bacteriologists and science people explaining like. No, it's not something you've done. Like, like we said, it's I think God's trying to wipe you off the face of the planet, and that, that's quite a harsh. Because when you when you're already suffering quite a lot to get in His good books, as it is,
1: you've got you've got a miserable life, and now a a horrible, awful, painful death is coming for you because you're a bad
5: person. There you yeah. go. That's your life, and you're going to hell. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: with with balls of pus in all of your crevices, which. Yeah.
5: Oh, nice. I've lived through most of the years that were mentioned and yeah there were some shit years and for lots of people they were really shit years. But so we we got by by through all of them and it was okay. But I think that thirteen forty nine around then would have been just catastrophically awful.
3: Yeah, I think we agreed. do um, we just clarify for everybody that you did not see nineteen eighteen or nineteen forty four? <laughs> i
5: didn't but my parents and my grandparents did my parents all 44 my grandparents saw it's the best year ever next time yes yeah, we've <laughs> be be more
3: cheerful because <laughs> we haven't got let's do the best year in history next time Um, because this was quite a grim one. Uh, But I'm really glad we did it. I thought it was a really good suggestion. and I uh, There's
4: going to be so much football-related stuff in that one. You just know it now. (laughs) So,
3: Sabrina Durkee, thank you very much um, for the suggestion of the worst year ever. It turns out we found a few that we thought were worse than 2020. Um, And next week, we will do the best year in history for which we will all convene again and hopefully be a bit more cheerful. Uh, Scott, do come again down the pub. I think he's sitting there kind of gobsmacked and wondering how he got roped into the most depressing night of his life, uh, but he'll get over it. Thank fun. you.
0: Thank uh, you for the totally unexpected invitation.
3: <laughs> Brilliant. Enjoyed it.
1: Thank you.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.